Hello, and welcome to this episode of Great Conversations. This is our fourth conversation, and our guest today is Dr. Trudy Bonta. Dr. Bonta is Vice Chancellor and Professor Emeritus from Indiana University, Purdue University in Indianapolis. Professor Bonta, welcome to Great Conversations. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you taking time to talk with us about some important issues facing higher education today. Mm -hmm. I'd like to just kickstart our conversation by asking you, from your vast experience, this landscape of higher education, where you've grown up and were a mover and shaker, still are in this area. Dr. Bonta, what would you say is perhaps the greatest or one of the greatest challenges or obstacles facing higher education today and, and specifically standing in between higher education and the attainment of the larger, more overarching goals of building the quality of life in the Commonwealth for all people. First, thank you and, and welcome to uh, my home. Um, I am very sorry to say that uh, we face an unprecedented lack of confidence, a real crisis of confidence. It may be a larger crisis than has ever occurred in higher education, and it's certainly the largest one that has occurred in my lifetime, and that is a lack of confidence in the value of higher education. I think there are at least three principal reasons for that. The first is cost. Uh, the cost of higher education is concerning everyone because it may price some students out of the market and even those who can afford to go end up in debt often. Uh, second concern is a perceived lack of return on investment. There seems to be a great concern that um, students coming out with a degree should be able to get a very good job so that they can pay back any debt that they've incurred and then get on to a beautiful place in their lives. And some are wondering now whether it may pay off more to just go right to work after high school. So that return on investment is a second concern. The third is that our campuses have become, unfortunately, places where political division is playing out. Uh, we see uh, on some campuses a concern about uh, too much freedom of speech, other places too little freedom of speech. Uh, there are protests, there are instances of incivility, and there's even a concern about the values that college students are taking away as a result of the environment on campuses. And these challenges are great and real, and I would argue we see this across the country. Yes. Would you agree this isn't bound to any one particular re region? No. It's Dr. ubiquitous. Dr. Bond, to this crisis of confidence, and, and I, I really value the way that you've put that because it captures it well, 
Let's explore that a bit more. What do you think has, what, what explains, what has begun this crisis of confidence in higher education? Well, cost is, <laughs> is uh, one of the things that has set people on edge and um, just wondering whether it's worth it to, to invest in, in college. And uh, the, just the tenor of our times is very unsettled. And maybe the workaday world has become so technologically refined, detailed. Do you feel that today there is a kind of place that students are not able to navigate and connect the more abstract liberal education that perhaps universities and colleges offer and the more deliberate, pedantic aspects of the workaday world. Is there a disconnect there? Um, or maybe that isn't a part of the conversation? Well, I think the, uh, the way that young people communicate these days is so very different. We used to really appreciate sitting across the room or across the table from each other and communicating in person. And now it seems that uh, the principal means of communication is through social media. And so you miss some of the nuances of personality. And I, I, I worry about that. It's, it's a lack of personal communication that we seem to be moving moving through right now. And that's so astute because it's in those deep communications that the humanities rich discussions really emerge. Let's tackle cost, right? Let's go right between the eyes. Dr. Bonta, what has happened? Why do you feel the cost of higher education has skyrocketed so? Well, I uh, <laughs> one of the things that I think needs to happen is uh, perhaps one of the national associations in higher education, we need a set of talking points so that we can present our case. And by we, I mean administrators in higher education and faculty. We ought to be able to say, here are the reasons that higher education has become so expensive. And of course, one of them for public institutions is the gradual dwindling of resources coming from the state. But if we are preparing students for tomorrow's jobs, we must have cutting edge materials. We must have technology and we must have lab equipment that is state of the art and looking to the future even. And those things don't come inexpensively, and they have to be renewed continuously. So it's a very expensive proposition that we are into if we are truly going to prepare students for a return on their investment, preparing and, them for the future. And that's so important because that break in confidence then occurs when they've made that investment, they hit that job market, and then the pieces don't quite fall into place like they think they might. Dr. Bonta, the university has always been very good at illustrating how the research accomplished at the university can address some of the challenges of higher ed and the challenges to increasing the quality of life, building the commonwealth. 
I'm not sure we've always been as good at articulating how teaching specifically, our work in the classroom, can help us effect positive change. In your mind, how might teaching specifically be able to address this crisis confidence, this helping us unpack and understand the cost, and how can teaching the classroom itself maybe help students bridge that gap between college preparation and the working world? I think that we can engage our communities more in our education. We can learn from uh, alumni, from employers, from community representatives, how knowledge can be used. And then we can help students connect learning outcomes, assignments, and assessments, and help them understand what it is they need to learn in order to be able to apply what they're learning in the classroom in a career not just a job, but in a career. Just as an example, thinking about philosophy or um, any other of the humanities, if while students are learning uh, in those areas, they can understand, be, be told over and over that they're developing writing skills and critical thinking skills that will help them ultimately be leaders in whatever field they choose. And the field is of job prospects is wide open. They're not uh, just pointed in, in one particular area as they would be in engineering um, or a branch of science. But in the humanities, they can apply their critical thinking skills, problem solving skills across, across the spectrum of jobs. In 1994, um, we started program, comprehensive program reviews at IUPUI, and we have brought in experts from a field like physics, um, and also community people with expertise and interest in physics. And from our community reviewers, we have learned that they want to be involved more. They want to be involved in curriculum development. They can help update the um, student learning outcomes that the faculty may have put together. They happily review those and comment um, in terms of assignments. Um, they can come up with um, case studies. Uh, they can allow students to come to their workplace and see things going on that are applications yes. of what goes in, on yes. in the classroom. And then in terms of assessments, it's wonderful to have papers or projects that are judged, graded by someone from outside, an alumnus or an employer or a community representative. And so I think that from our program reviews, we learned community advisory councils are very important. And in many of our disciplines at IEPY, we have developed those community councils. So we're hearing these ideas from the community. And we are 
not just telling an advisory council about all the good things that we're doing, we're listening to them. So listening to our community, I think is very important. Do you feel that right now at the universities, we're doing all we can to leverage the resources we have access to, to accomplishing that kind of classroom teaching that might help students feel more empowered as they make those connections. Are we doing all we can with what we've got, Dr. Bonta? <laughs> well, I, I, I do worry about the fact that many, many of our faculty, especially those who have been in the field for some years, uh, were not trained as teachers and continue to teach as they were taught. And uh, we require almost continual development in order to uh, use the technologies that are available and to understand today's learner and the way they're communicating. Uh, that is absolutely essential in teaching. And so I think one of the most important things that we can do in higher education is to provide continuous faculty and staff development. I, uh, I am well, I've, I've contributed uh, a bit to something, a company called ACUE, that is uh, putting together modules, online modules, that faculty can do on their own time and learn a, a assessment, the one I contributed to, but setting objectives, uh, it, influencing, engaging classroom discussion, uh, all kinds of teaching techniques that may be new to them. So um, I, I hope that the wonderful resources at uh, within Indiana University can be um, guided in such a way that they appeal to almost all of our faculty. And I think we, we need to actually encourage and even require some updating of, of teaching techniques from time to time. You make such an important point because so many of us come out of graduate school as content experts. Mm -hmm. We're content experts and yet we come into the universities really hungry to create an environment for student success but perhaps not always with a full toolbox. That's exactly right. To do that. But mm -hmm. I think there's a great spirit and will mm -hmm. to support that student's success. Dr. Bonta, if you looked in your crystal ball and you looked to the future, do you see that as we move forward, as we create the future of higher education every day in our classrooms, what might you see as waiting for us as the next big challenge of the future or is the next big solution waiting for us <laughs> in the future? Well, in terms of challenge, I really worry about narrowing the curriculum. Uh, we have majors like uh, some of the languages, Latin for instance, uh, even physics, where numbers of students majoring uh, is small. And so some decision makers may look at the number of graduates coming out of a program and say, do we need this anymore? Uh, we have then also the concern about return on investment for the humanities. 
um, philosophy and uh, courses in reasoning and um, the classics. The important stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the things that, that connect us with the past. Yes. And uh, looking at those and, and saying, what, are, they, are they worthwhile? Are they yes. adding to the bottom line for, for graduates? And so could it be that the teaching of philosophy will disappear? I really, really worry about narrowing the curriculum to what seems to be something that will get people jobs right away. And we know that, they, they, that all of us need to be prepared to change jobs and be prepared for the next move. And if we don't have the writing and critical thinking and sense of history that comes from studying the humanities uh, and other problem-solving uh, techniques and courses, uh, we won't be, we, we just won't be prepared for the future. Is there any sort of charge that we could take up today in preparing our teachers and working with young professors that might head this off at the pass? Are, are we doing all we can to prepare our young professors? I think we are not doing all that we could. I just prize so uh, faculty and staff development and I think it's just extraordinarily uh, good that we have now trained professionals, people who understand uh, education and psychology and the teaching of adults and uh, are able to then lead centers for teaching and learning on campuses and uh, put together coursework, modules, workshops that can, can help us help faculty become better teachers. You can't just say you need to do these things. And um, the, the idea of preparing students for careers by, by showing them here are the learning outcomes that are going to get you to this point. Uh, giving students the opportunity to practice their skills, maybe in internships, maybe in service learning, um, maybe in uh, job shadowing. Uh, it, we can involve our alumni and employers and community representatives in helping us improve curriculum and teaching and assessment. So I, I am all in favor of stronger partnerships with the community. Beautiful. And I heard mentorship in yes. there, in what you were saying, and mentoring, maybe more seasoned faculty, mentoring younger faculty, and really encouraging them. Yes. Maybe what we call building their bliss, mm -hmm. really encouraging their passion, and to mm -hmm. um, just nurture that as they move through their career. Well, those workshops that I mentioned could certainly be provided by uh, faculty who have figured out, maybe even on their own, how to use their talents and their background experiences and their education to become effective instructors. And if they, uh, again, have the ability to teach adults, that is their peers, uh, and also help uh, those peers adapt rather than just adopt their own techniques. Uh, then so much the better. And of course, I think of FACET members in that regard, uh, sharing their 
expertise with their colleagues. And it can, it's a movement, right? It begins this wonderful movement that uh, becomes a revolution. And mm -hmm. I, I see that um, happening in small ways, in ripples. I'd love to see a big riptide yes, of that yes, passion. Yes. Mentorship, again, is so important. And Dr. Bonta, I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment here at the end, as we near the end of our conversation, I'd like to publicly thank you for the inspiration that you've given to countless young professors, to those of us who really knew very little about assessment, uh, the incredible scholarship that you contributed to the field. More importantly, your, your very prominent physical servant leadership in this area was inspirational to me as a young professor. It remains inspirational to me as I move to be a more seasoned professor. And again, I would like to publicly thank you for your work and, and for your passion because it has inspired me and made me a better teacher. Well, thank you so much. That, that is quite a wonderful <laughs> set of compliments. And I must say that I have enjoyed every minute of my career. It has been just superlative. We have enjoyed your being in this field. Dr. Bonta, thank you for joining us in this great conversation this afternoon. Thank you.